turn, isn't it? We're going to be in the first chapter of, of Mark. Uh, if you would turn there with me, we're going to be in Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 16 through 20 this morning. Uh, I, I want this uh, message to be an encouragement to you. Um, sometimes we don't really know about what the work of discipleship is, and so I want to share that with you this morning. Um, I want to tell you a quick story, though. I come from a family of three boys. I'm the youngest. I have a, an older brother who will be 59 this year. and um, uh, No, actually he'll be 60 this year. And then I have a brother that was uh, uh, 18 months older than I am that passed away in 2011. And uh, his name is Darren, my brother Darren. And um, he's just older than me, but he's an avid fisherman. And he loves to catch fish. And uh, he could catch fish when nobody else was catching fish. And um, I, I brought a picture with, of him this morning. Uh, here he is on Lake Billy Chinook in central Oregon. And uh, the picture's a little bit grainy because I didn't have it on a digital thing. But um, it was uh, just one in, in my office. But uh, here he is holding uh, what some people call a Dolly Varden, um, uh, or also known as a bull trout. And they come from the same species of the char family. But the only way you can tell the difference is uh, a lot of times on the, the, the bull trout, the nose of the, of the trout is flatter and longer. And, uh, but this is uh, some of the fish that they catch up there in Oregon. And uh, I remember several years ago, I came home bragging about uh, the salmon that my father-in-law and, father and I were, were catching on the Deschutes River. I came home, I was talking about it, and, and um, Darren practically begged me to take him up there and show him where I was fishing. And, um, you know, it was nice fish and, and things, and so I reluctantly set up a fishing trip uh, the next week uh, to take place the following weekend. And, you know, if you're fortunate enough to catch a spring Chinook salmon, then truly you are blessed, but you're also in for a very tasty supper, okay? And so um, I've been out there all day sometimes, sat on a rock all day long and didn't catch anything. So it, it's not that you're just, you know, netting these fish and pulling them out left and right. I mean, you, you got you to gotta pay and do your time there, you know. And um, so anyway, the day of the big trip arrived and, and we had all our gear and we, we decided we were going to leave early so we could get a good start. And so we get out there, and, and I help Darren get his rig lined up with all the appropriate gear, and um, took the time and did that, and, and, and of course I offered him the honey hole, okay? I offered that to him his first time out there, and got him in, got, got all of his stuff in the water there, and um, I'll be doggone if he didn't catch a fish, like right away, before I even had my stuff rigged up. He had a fish on. He had a salmon on. And I was like, oh my gosh. Well, after no small um, fight, no small struggle, he finally landed this fish. And being the good brother that I am, I helped him take care of his fish and get it situated. And, and uh, then we were both able to put our, our lines back out in the water. The thing is, you're only allowed to tag two salmon per person per day. So, as we continued to fish, we had several good bites. And doggone it, Darren got another one on. He had another salmon. 
I thought, oh my word. He was unconscious. He was so excited. He was so thrilled. He was, he was you know, over the moon with this thing. He's, he's, he's jumping up and down. He's, he can't believe he's got another fish. And, and so after helping him with his second fish, get it all properly taken care of, I finally looked down at my watch. And it wasn't even 8 a.m. yet. I thought, golly, what's going to... So I put my fishing line out there in the water and I'm fishing and I told him I said well you're just going to have to sit up on the bank and watch me fish because you can't fish anymore you got two tags that's it you're done so he's sitting up there but he didn't enjoy sitting on the bank quite as much as fishing and so uh, after hearing quite a bit of bragging from him you know coming from behind me things like man that sure is a nice fish Hey, Ridge, what do you think about my fish, man? It's a lunker. It's a, it's a hog. All this coming from behind me. I finally said, I can't take it any longer. I said, let's go. Let's, get, let's go home. I'm not catching anything. He's caught two fish. We've been in the honey hole for a little while. And it's like, you know what? So we ended up leaving. And that day, I left with no fish. I'm not telling you to feel sorry for me. I'm telling you, it was a wonderful day of fishing. Very rarely would you get two salmon like that. It was amazing. But I do recall another time, another one of my fishing experiences. And I was driving along the road and, and uh, thinking about what my mentor had told me the day before. He regularly leads people to faith in Jesus Christ. And I had asked him, how he knew if somebody would be willing to talk about spiritual things. And he looked at me very pointedly, and this is what he said. He said, it's real easy. I'm like, okay. He's like, I just ask him. I just ask him. And I thought, well, I guess I could do that. I could just maybe ask the next person I meet, you know how things are going with them. And as it turned out, the next person that I met was a cowboy who trained cutting horses in Dublin, Texas. He showed up at a harvest festival that our church was having. And after I meet, met him, I just immediately started talking to him. And probably the second or third thing I said to him was this. I said, how are things with your soul? Talk about cut right down to the quick. He started opening up and he began to share with me. And after about five or six minutes of pouring out his heart, he said, I can't believe I'm sharing this stuff with you. Some of this stuff I've not even shared with my wife. And here I am just pouring it all out to you. And then he looked at me for a moment and he said this. He said, I have been looking for God all of my life. He said, can you tell me how to really know him? He accepted Christ, not that moment, not on the spot. But in the not too distant future, he accepted Christ. And after sharing Christ with his family, two of his sons accepted Christ and also his daughter. His wife was already a believer. And we end up baptizing four of them into the family of God. You see, 
We have to fish. We have to go after the fish. We can't just wait for them to come to us. Jesus said this. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. See, now, not, not all of our efforts are be so rewarding as this one was. But there are people out there that God is drawing to Himself. And we be, need to be sensitive enough to see where they're at and to be able to help them make a connection to Jesus. I think this is huge. Read with me, if you will, in Mark chapter 1. I want to begin in verse 16. I'm just going to read just a few verses. Mark chapter 1, verse 16 and following. God's Word says this. It says, As He was going along, as Jesus was going along by the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Verse 18, Immediately they left their nets and followed Him. Going a little further, He saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother who were also in the boat mending the nets. Immediately He called them and they left their, their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went away to follow Him. Loving Father, I thank You for this time and I thank You for Your Word. And I pray, Father, that this morning as we read Your Word, as we study it, as we understand what this means, that, Father, that You would call us to a deeper walk with You. Father, that You would call us from where we are to where You desire us to be. Father, that we would have our, our hooks in the water. Father, that we would be looking for opportunity for those all around us who need a connection to Jesus. Father, I pray that we would repent of our own apathy, of our own um, ignorance of the things that we just don't care about. But Father, that we would be about Your kingdom business. And Lord, we love You. We sing praises to Your name. We worship You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, the primary source of inflow for the Sea of Galilee is the Jordan River, which comes from several sources down off of Mount Hermon into the Sea of Galilee. And then it exits out the, the Jordan River and it flows south down to the Dead Sea. And it's well known for its clear and pure water, the, the Sea of Galilee is, for abundant fish, for frequent storms. From the context of Matthew or excuse me, of, of Mark here, it's clear that the Sea of Galilee was home to a thriving fishing industry. <laughs> it included a, a fish called the, the red belly tilapia, which is actually known as St. Peter's fish. There were many fishermen who made a living fishing in this sea. Josephus, as he writes and talks about history, he claims in his day, which was not too long after this time period, there were 330 fishing boats on the Sea of Galilee. So there was a thriving fishing industry there. People ate a lot of fish. That was their main protein source. Now, because there were so many fishermen, we know 
that the ones Jesus calls are very specific choices that He is making as God. I think this is huge. Three of the four that He calls here, Peter, James, and John, become that inner circle, that key inner circle of His disciples. The ones that He has very poured into. The ones that He has discipled so well. And Jesus told these beginning disciples that He would make them Fishers of men. Fishers of men. But in order to become fishers of men, these disciples would have to, number one, they would have to forsake their nets. They would have to leave their nets behind and and follow Jesus. And this was no no small thing. I mean, what what a simple challenge Jesus gave them. He said, follow me. Even as these Young men were giving testimony to what it means and what it looks like. Jesus was saying to these disciples, follow me. If you were to say that to people around you, how would they respond? Would they follow you? Would they go where you were going? Notice the force of Jesus' call. In verse 18, it says they immediately left their nets. I think that's significant. Because although Jesus preaches to crowds, His call to follow Him comes to individuals. One at a time. One at a time. He calls them to follow Him. He calls whom He will, and His call produces obedience. See, Jesus commands as God commands. You know, when Jesus told Lazarus, come forth, (laughs) Lazarus wasn't going anywhere else. He was coming forth. Because when God calls, His creation responds. Here it says, these guys responded immediately. Oh, that we might respond so punctually when God calls us Usually when He calls us, we're, we're hanging on to something. We're, we're holding on to our nets. And we, you could not pry those nets out of our hands. Lord, I know You're calling me. I just don't want to go where You're leading. Oh, that we would respond so punctually and put into practice what we hear right on the spot. Peter and Andrew left their nets. James and John left their father. Matthew, in chapter 2, verse 14, he left the tax booth, the money, behind and followed Jesus. See, we cannot follow Jesus until we are willing to forsake our own plans and our own wishes. See, God wants to use you in a powerful way But until you forsake your nets, until you forsake your family, until you forsake the money, He will not use you. It takes obedience on our part to follow Jesus. You want to be disciples of Jesus? Then follow Him. Forsake those plans and those wishes. But see, this doesn't mean that He will always take you out of your present job. 
It doesn't mean that he's going to place you on a church staff somewhere. It doesn't mean that you're going to be part of a missions organization or that he's going to send you out in the mission field. I want to encourage you, every one of us, to follow Jesus right where you're at. Follow him right where you're at. But understand, they had to forsake their nets, their plans, what they were going to do. So to become fishers of men, these disciples had to forsake their nets, but they also had to follow Jesus. I mean, you can leave your nets, but you're just going to be without a job. He, had, he said, come, follow me. And their call was to follow him. And they were called, in other words, to, to fellowship. They were called to Jesus and they were called to responsibility. Think about this. Yeah, they were called to follow. They were called to fellowship with Christ. They were called to commune with Him, to be with Him. But before you can become a fisher of men, before you can become a man-fisher, before you can become a person who draws people to Christ, you must be with Christ. If you're not with Him, then you are not following Him. See, this is key. Because we say, well, I, I don't feel qualified or I, I can't do that. Well, maybe we're not with Christ. Maybe we're not where He is at. See, this is our discipleship. Our discipleship is our fellowship. It means to be with Christ. You want to make an impact in the community around you? You want to make an impact in your home? You want to make an impact in your workplace? You want to make an impact in the church? Then get with Christ. Get with Christ. See, here's the point. We have to learn from Christ. We have to learn from Him. And we must be in fellowship with Him in order to learn from Him. He calls us to communion with Himself. He calls us to be prepared by our fellowship with Christ so that we, each one of us, can be a man-fisher to go find those that need Jesus. To be that example for them. See, we have to be diligent. We have to be constantly connected with Christ. And in doing that, we become like Christ in His faithfulness, in His tenderness, in His diligence. See, it's been well said that discipleship is more than just to getting to know what the teacher knows. Discipleship is becoming what the teacher is. If the people that you are leading in your family, at your work, wherever it might be, at your school, if the people that you are leading become just like you, what will they be like? See, discipleship is becoming what the teacher is. And before Christ equips and sends out His disciples to become man-fishers, he equips us first with the image of Himself. <laughs> See, by our fellowship with Him, by our union with Him, by our being present <laughs> at His Word, by our reliance upon His grace, He causes us to become more and more like Him. But we have to follow Him. 
You know, if God isn't doing something in your area, it's not his fault. It may be because we're not following. So to become these fishers of men, these disciples, they had to forsake their nets. They also had to follow Jesus. And thirdly, I would say they had to fulfill their ministry. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Man, his command shatters our comfortable everyday world. I mean, with these words, his first words were about evangelism. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Should cause us to have some real heart searching, asking ourselves, how much are we gripped by the work of Jesus Christ? How much are we willing to follow what Jesus tells us is important? If it has such a great priority with Christ, does it have any priority at all with us? I mean, are we more laid back than Jesus? Are we just like, man, if they come to Christ, they come to Christ. If they don't, they don't. But you see, that's many of the time, that's our attitude. We're too busy. We're busy doing other things. Folks, that's a dangerous posture to have. To be more laid back than Jesus. Because his first comments here was, I will make you become fishers of men. And you remember that his last words before he ascended into heaven was, you shall be my witnesses. I will make you fishers of men. You shall be my witnesses. Those are bookends of everything that he taught and lived before us. See, there's an obligation that rests not on the apostles alone, not on just a chosen few, but on everyone who names themselves as part of the family of God to be fishers of men. See, each one of us has, has been touched by His amazing grace in our life. The fact that you live in these United States, the fact that you live in this state, means that you have been exercised and given grace by Almighty God. If you don't think it's a blessing, then go live somewhere else and see what it's like. It's a tremendous blessing. Those of us who have received Christ as our personal Savior and Lord, we understand that we're not going to get what we deserve. That He's taken the punishment for us. That as He died on that cross and He bled out for you and for me, that we're not going to get what we deserve before Almighty God. We have received His amazing grace. And for that, we are forever changed. We can never go back. I don't want to go back. To me, this is a beautiful thing. And He says, I will make you fishers of men. Listen, the greatest work that any of us could ever be a part of is winning souls for Jesus Christ. I mean, Proverbs verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 30 says, He who is wise wins souls. Folks, there's nothing like it. When the light comes on and someone realizes that they are a sinner and that they need a Savior, 
Up to that point, they had no clue. All of a sudden, wow, I need Jesus in my life. It's an amazing transformation that takes place. So I want to encourage you this morning. Be fishers of men right where you are. In your neighborhood. At your school. At your workplace. In your community. In the office, wherever it might be. It's like that hymn writer wrote, I love to tell the story. (laughs) I love to tell the story. For some have never heard the message of salvation from God's holy word. Oh, that needs to be on our tongue. That needs to be something we share often. You see, ministry is like this. It's evangelizing the lost. It's establishing and equipping the saints. And it's meeting human needs. Very simple. We talk about discipleship. We talk about ministry. Evangelizing the lost. Establishing and equipping the saints. Meeting human needs. Those are ministry. It's very simple. My question is, why did Jesus choose these busy fishermen who didn't have any theological education to carry the gospel forward? Why did he choose them? You know, someone has, been, has said that when God looks for someone to use in a special mission, he looks for a person who's already busy, the energetic individual. Absolutely. You know, you think about the good qualities of a successful fisherman. I mean, they would be helpful in the work of ministry of reaching souls for Christ. I mean, you think about this. Traits and qualities like courage. It takes courage. It takes the ability to work together. It takes patience. It takes energy. It takes stamina. It takes faith and it takes tenacity. Think about professional fishermen. They simply cannot afford to be quitters or complainers. Neither can fishers of men. Folks, we've got to be, have all of these characteristics. We've got to exercise courage. We've got to have the ability to work together and, and have patience and stamina and faith and, and tenacity and energy and all of those things. Just like if you're, if you're trying to catch fish. If you're going to be a soul winner. If you're going to be somebody who makes an impact around you. In the people around you. It's going to take those things. Now, David Thompson, he said this. He said, Jesus calls those to become part of his team who are faithfully doing their work in the secular world. God does not call lazy people into his service. They call themselves into service. Now listen carefully here. Just because someone believes in Jesus Christ or starts to follow Christ does not mean that they are instantly a fisher of men. You know, one of the real tragedies that happens sometimes, and we see it often, is that a famous athlete or an entertainer or someone comes to faith in Jesus Christ and people stick them, him or her, up in front of other people thinking that they would have a great platform and be really in a position to be a great spokesman for Jesus Christ. But someone who is just recently saved does not know 
sound doctrine. In fact, someone just saved doesn't know what just happened to them. It needs to be explained to them. They need to understand who God is and what He is about. What they really need is someone to sit down with them and to be taught. What really needs to happen is for all of us is that we need to listen and learn before we speak. Because otherwise we may be preaching a false gospel. See, becoming a fisher of men is a process that doesn't occur overnight. He said, I will make you become fishers of men. But personal contact with Jesus alters everything. I mean, do nothing else but come to Him. Because He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. Inherent in Jesus' call is to come. That the hearer would come now and not wait or procrastinate. When you hear His invitation, you need to respond like Simon and Andrew did and come immediately. There should be nothing to keep you from coming to Jesus Christ. Let me end up here with just a a few fishing tips if I might. The first one is this. Is don't keep telling only old fishing stories. Like the time when you had your boat full of fish. Add some recent experiences. Talk to people. Add those to your, your, your fishing story. But I would say, number two, enjoy fishing. <laughs> I mean, as fishermen, we let people know when the fish are biting and when they're not. You know? We share information. So enjoy fishing. Talk about it. Talk about fishing. Because it's about patience. It's about wanting. It's about trying again and again. You may not be successful to, to catch a fish, that f- being a fisher of men. You may not be successful in that your first time out, but keep trying. Because the more you do something, the better you get at it. Some people say, well, that's not my gift. God hasn't gifted me in that way. No, but He expects each of us to be fishers of men. Whether that's our gift or not. So what I'm saying is enjoy fishing. Get to know how to fish. You won't catch any fish if your hook's not in the water. If you never talk about spiritual things with people, you, there's a big chance that you will lead zero people to Jesus. You have to have your hook in the water. You have to be willing to talk about it. It takes courage. It takes faith. To bring that subject up when you want to talk about the Rangers or the Astros or the the Rockets or, or the Mavericks or whoever. Don't forget Jesus. Talk about Him too. Because He should be that important to you. Not only that, your friend's soul should be that important to you. So get it. Get it in the water. Get that hook in the water. I would say also... Always work to be a better fisherman. You can learn from anybody. Just just work at it. Listen. When somebody's talking to you about things, listen when they're sharing about that. Watch how others do it. 
A lot of times when you see people and you're fishing in a new area, you, you need to figure out what they're using. You know, what's, what are they biting on? I mean, what if we as believers did that every week? Instead of asking Gary, you know, hey, what are they biting on out the lake? Hey, what's your neighbor biting on? Oh, he's got a deep need in his life right now. He's going through a divorce and he needs somebody to walk with him through that. What is ministry? Evangelizing the lost, establishing and equipping the saints, and meeting human needs. Folks, we need to be all about that last one. I'll tell you why in just a moment. See, fishing is telling your story. When you're sharing with someone else your story, what Jesus Christ means to you and what He's done for you, you are fishing. You are telling your story. You got your hook in the water. Learn to enjoy sharing your story. You may say, well, people don't want to hear my story. Yes, they do. Other people are going through similar situations. We're all going through something. Amen? We need to hear your story. I know there are times and places to share. Make sure the time is right. Make sure the place is right. But share your story and enjoy sharing your story. Learn to share by, by learn to share your story. And that's when you're fishing for men. <laughs> Almost done. Go where the fish are. Go where the fish are. Go to them. <laughs> what happens so many times is we want the fish to come to us. You know what? I've never caught a fish sitting in my living room. Never have. They're not there. I got to go where they are. I got to get out of my comfort zone and go out into the world and find the fish where they are. That's how we fish. Go where the fish are. Out on the lake, out in the river, out in the stream, in the salt water. But it's not sitting there watching this and doing this. It's out there where the fish are. Lastly, I would say this. Use the right bait. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We're not trying to trick anybody into faith. When I say bait, I'm talking about start with what interests them. Get that conversation going about them. Because people like to talk about themselves. And they like to talk about what's happening. And folks, that is a direct connection to you and to Jesus Christ. Use the right bait. If you come in and you start preaching at them and you start telling them everything they're doing wrong, that fish is going to turn, look at that hook, and go the other way. But what you have to do is you have to use the right bait, and that's telling them, beginning where they are. Hear their story. See, Jesus doesn't say to us, do this or don't do that. But he simply says, come. Notice he doesn't say, come to church. He doesn't say, come to a creed. He doesn't say, come to a pastor. He doesn't say, come to a denomination. He says, come, follow me. Our job is to connect people to Jesus. You see, his call is to come to Jesus himself. 
I encourage you this morning. Jesus is the best thing that ever happened in my life. Otherwise, I would not be here telling you about it. I'd be out doing something else. But because of what he has done for me, I believe that everyone needs to hear about Jesus Christ. Let's go fishing. Let's get out there. Let's do it. Let's connect some people with Jesus. Let's pray. Loving Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word and the example that we have of these fishermen who immediately left their nets, immediately left their family to follow you, Jesus. And Father, you made them to become fishers of men. Father, I thank you that they did indeed become fishers of men because I wouldn't be a believer today if they hadn't. But Father, you know all things and it is your desire that none should perish but that all should come to repentance. So Father, I pray that we would live a life that becomes the gospel. Father, that we would be drawing others to you, that they would see Jesus in us, that they would want what we have, that they would desire the life that we are living because of Jesus Christ in us. Father, I pray that we would not be complacent. Father, that we would see our need, even as we are being transformed and seeing others transformed, we are being transformed ourselves. Father, that is discipleship. That even as we follow, that others follow. And God, I pray that you would help us to repent of not living with Christ, of not being that sweet aroma, that sweet fragrance of Christ. But Father, that you would help us to die to self, to want to follow you more closely. Father, to be your witnesses wherever we go. I ask, Father, that by your grace in each one of our lives, that you would make it so. Father, that we would be willing to be willing. Father, that you would tune our hearts to you. That it would no longer be about us, but Father, that we would see your kingdom. And Father, that we would recognize that there are people all around us who need a connection to Jesus Christ. And Father, we are it. And we haven't been obedient in that. So I pray, Father, for a great repentance upon your people. Father, that we would repent of our apathy, of not caring. Father, that we would love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, which is our worship. That we would love our neighbors as ourselves, which is our discipleship. Father, that we would be willing to teach them and to lead them to you. Father, I thank you that we can serve those around us, helping them to meet the needs in their life. I ask, Father, that you would do this by your power and by your might and for your glory. Guide us 
in a time of response. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.